Before killing a man, I always found it calming to regard the trees. Lying on my back in the long grass, fringing the king's road, and gazing at the green and brown matrix above, branches creaking and leaves whispering in the late morning breeze, brought a welcome serenity. I had found this to be true ever since my first faltering steps into this forest as a boy ten years before. When the heart began to thud and sweat beaded my brow, the simple act of looking up at the trees brought a respite, one made sweeter by the knowledge that it would be short-lived. Hearing the clomp of iron-shod hooves upon earth, accompanied by the grinding squeal of a poorly greased axle, I closed my eyes to the trees and rolled onto my belly. Shorn of the soothing distraction, my heart's excited labor increased in pitch, but I was well-schooled in not letting it show. Also, the sweat dampening my armpits and trickling down my back would only add to my stench, adding garnish for the particular guise I adopted that day. Lamed outcasts are rarely fragrant. Raising my head just enough to glimpse the approaching party through the grass, I was obliged to take a deep breath at the sight of the two mounted men-at-arms riding at the head of the caravan. More concerning still were the two soldiers perched on the cart that followed, both armed with crossbows, eyes scanning the forest on either side of the road in a worrying display of hard-learned vigilance. Although not within the chartered bounds of the Chavin forest, this stretch of the King's Road described a long arc through its northern fringes. Sparse in comparison to the deep forest, it was still a place of bountiful cover and not one to be travelled by the unwary in such troubled times. As the company drew closer, I saw a tall lance bobbing above the small throng, the pennant affixed beneath its blade fluttering in the breeze with too much energy to make out the crest it bore. However, its gold and red hues told the tale clearly. Royal colours. Deccan's intelligence had, as ever, been proven correct. This lot with the escort for a crown messenger. I waited until the full party had revealed itself, counting another four mounted men-at-arms in the rear guard. I took some comfort from the earthy brown and green of their livery. These were not kingsmen, but ducal levies from Cordwain, taken from home by the demands of war, and not so well trained or steadfast as crown soldiery. However, their justified caution and overall impression of martial orderliness was less reassuring. I judged them unlikely to run when the time came, which was unfortunate for all concerned. I rose when the leading horsemen were a dozen paces off, reaching for the gnarled, rag-wrapped tree branch that served as my crutch and levering myself upright. I was careful to blink a good deal and furrow my brow in the manner of a soul just roused from slumber. As I hobbled towards the verge, keeping the blackened bulb of my bandaged foot clear of the ground, my features slipped easily into the gape-mouthed, empty-eyed visage of a crippled dullard. Reaching the road, I allowed the foot to brush the churned mud at the edge. Letting out an agonized groan of appropriate volume, I stumbled forwards, collapsing onto all fours in the middle of the rutted fairway. It should not be imagined that I fully expected the soldiers' horses to rear, for many a war horse is trained to trample a prone man. Fortunately, these beasts had not been bred for knightly service, and they both came to a gratifyingly untidy halt, much to the profane annoyance of their riders. Get out of the fucking road, churl, the soldier on the right snarled, 
dragging on his reins as his mount wheeled in alarm. Beyond him, the cart, and more importantly, the bobbing lance of the crown messenger, also stopped. The crossbowmen sank lower on the mound of cargo affixed to the cart bed, both reaching for the bolts in their quivers. Crossbowmen are always wary of leaving their weapons primed for long intervals, for it wears down the stave and the string. However, failing to do so this day would soon prove a fatal miscalculation. I didn't allow my sight to linger on the cart, however, instead gaping up at the mounted soldier with wide, fearful eyes that betrayed little comprehension. It was an expression I had practiced extensively, for it is not easy to mask one's intellect. Shift your ass, his companion instructed, his voice marginally less angry and speaking as if addressing a dull-witted dog. 